for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. Hello, this is Sarah. How are you doing, Peter? I am doing, I would say, pretty well. Um, the, the, the Red Wings are not doing well, but I didn't really watch the last game. <laughs> I was uh, busy, and I wasn't able to watch most of the game, and that turned out to be a pretty good decision. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe I'm also now a bad host because I didn't watch the game either. Um, I wasn't busy. I was asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I was like, oh, let me just check on uh, NHL app, see how he did. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> seven. That's not, that's not the number. You want the other team's column. <laughs> I guess unless you have eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is pretty uh, – doesn't happen pretty often. Um, it's pretty rare to get seven goals uh, by itself, but then it's also rare, uh, incredibly rare for both teams to get seven yeah. goals or more. I mean, at um, least they weren't all in the first period. In fact, most of them are not in the first period. So that's that's something to uh, to hold hold on. Yeah, to. <laughs> I um I did what I typically do because I get up I get up pretty early um, when I have. When, when when school is in session and it's not remote and we are uh, totally we're in person, I have to get up at five o'clock to make sure that I get ready and get to school on time. Um, when you know we're virtual, I can sleep a little bit later. But Eddie will not let me sleep past I would say probably five thirty. Um, <laughs> and so any game that starts later than seven is is rough for me to try to stay up for the whole thing. Uh, so this time I think I, I watched the first period. And then I was in bed and I was like checking Twitter, of course, before I go to bed. And it was like the Adam Ernie hit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, "Ooh, that does that that does not sound good. That does not sound yeah. like a I good was, thing." I was I was surprised to read that about. It. I was like, "Since when is Adam Ernie problematic? Like he's either supposed to be boring or our like elite surprise goal scorer, but now he's problematic. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> he needs to reel it back in. <laughs> he needs to just be who I've cast him as in my personal <laughs> Red Wings drama, which is surprise goal scorer that is hilarious and not a criminal. So." <laughs> Sports criminal. I'm sure he's a lovely man. But. Oh, exactly. I, and, and, and plus, I think criminal. he, you know, even even with this hit, which, um, you know, we we had a, a, at least one commenter uh, talk about the, you know, the possibility that he was, uh, um, you know, it, it was more a, uh, a a result of him going in and the other player kind of changing course uh, when he had already committed to the hit. I'll be honest. I haven't seen like I I I did see it, but it was kind of full speed. Um, I haven't really been able to go back and watch it in slow motion, so I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, based on based on what I saw, it looked really bad, um, and I think I would have supported the the major penalty. And and honestly, I mean, from what I saw, and again, I I, I would have to go back um, because I could be mistaken on this, you know, but from what I saw, like at full speed, it definitely looked like the type of penalty that I would want a suspension for another player 
to do to us. You know, like I want, I want the NHL to be cracking down on hits to the head. Um, and obviously there is the, uh, you know, the potential that, uh, you know, you know, the, there was a mitigating factor of, uh, it wasn't as intentional as it kind of looked, um, at full speed. So, but it looks like the league did not agree, uh, <laughs> or they did not not agree with with my initial thought that um, it perhaps deserved a suspension, um, which is good for Adam Ernie and good for the Red Wings, of course. But um, but bad for society. So. Yeah, I, I, I guess you know. And again, if if it was as bad as I saw, because I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to come down too hard um, based on. You know, not really having the full picture, I guess, if that makes yeah. sense. And we've um, talked about this a lot, like that, just the desire for consistency. I mean, I like to think I'm a good enough hockey fan, not just a, you know, home fan that I will support, like, our own team being suspended when they do something suspension worthy. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be, you know, it's Nicholas Cronwell obviously did not deserve to be <laughs> suspended for game seven, like, however many years ago, but Adam Ernie perhaps <laughs> was, yeah. was worthy. I was always in favor of Justin Advocator suspensions. I even was there like Tyler Bertuzzi being suspended a couple of years ago. I was like, yep, he deserved that. That was a, a bad hit that he should not make again and moving on from there. So I usually, usually support. Yeah. It's always tough. I mean, thinking back uh, to kind of like the last two episodes of the podcast, you know, we talked to Brian, uh, from you know who who is a Nashville fan, and we talked to um, Pat, who is a, a Stars fan. You know, and in both of those teams, you know, definitely have players who have uh, done some. You know, I don't even want to say questionable. I mean, if you're talking like Corey Perry, he's obviously done some very, <laughs> you know, so you know some very very dirty uh, plays in the past. Um, but you know, I, I I do think you know kind of to go back to I think the discussion we had with Pat, which is something that is always interesting to me, is. The idea that, you know, we as fans kind of will always have, like, we'll always see things through, in, in our case, uh, you know, red, red wings colored glasses. Um, and, you know, we have to really make an attempt to try to make sure to uh, limit, you know, the bias that we have going in. And again, just as human beings, it's not like, you know, I'm not saying we're bad people or anything. Um and you know, I, I think that's always always hard to do as a fan to really, uh, you know, look at a play and you know be completely unbiased. I mean, it might not even be possible to be completely unbiased, yeah. but I think I think it's possible to kind of limit your bias. Yeah, and I think, and I, you know, I won't send us down this rabbit hole, but as a general statement, it's easier to kind of, I don't know, be in support of punishment of on ice actions than perhaps off ice and like. Their nature as a human maybe being questionable. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, I, I that's when my hypocrisy really starts coming out, and I have to like really check myself and be like, "Come on, you gotta you gotta stay consistent. You don't uh, even actually know them, <laughs> so uh, yeah, just because they're on your team doesn't mean that they're always going to be a great person, and you need to just accept that. And it's really hard though because you want them to be good people and never to do anything wrong but everyone does everything mm. wrong like we're all we're all flawed so yeah people are complicated <laughs> but when it's people someone just elbowing yeah. someone in the head that seems that's less complicated that's <laughs> exactly it's <all, laughs> a lot easier to process <laughs> exactly as as avril levine would say uh I think it's 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 a little less complicated. Oh wait, no, that's that's not what she said. Uh, <laughs> so 
Um, before we get too off topic, although honestly, for me, off topic is probably the, the, the most fun I have when we're doing these. Um, we uh, are rapidly approaching, uh, it, which is very shocking to me. It's it's something that is very hard for me to process. Um, how close we are to the playoffs. Uh, I was looking at the schedule the other day for. Uh, you know, the, the Red Wings games that are left in the season. And I mean, I think right now as we record this, I think there's, oh, actually I, I have the, I have it up. Let's see, 56 games. So there are 14, 14 games left, 14. Yeah. That's I think ins- it's like our last game is, you know, May seven, eight, somewhere in there. It's yeah. like a month. It's so weird. Um, and other teams are going to be playing more games yeah. after May 7th or 8th or whatever the actual date is. Um, so today we wanted to take a quick look at how the uh, how the playoffs are shaping up. Because unlike other seasons, uh, the playoffs are, are uh, they're not 100% set, but they're pretty close. They're, they're pretty close. Like there's teams that are, uh, you know, definitely going to make the playoffs. Or I guess, you know, if you look at Michael Blake McCurdy's uh, model for prediction uh that are like i think toronto last time i saw was like 99.9 like there's like one scenario in which they don't make the playoffs or something like that um so we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look uh and actually i figure uh just for timing because we have uh in a little bit we have an interview with uh prashanth uh coming up who which is awesome because you know we're you know both good friends with him and it's always good to talk to him uh so even though the interview has not been recorded yet i know it's going to be a good one um so what we'll do is let's start in the east and then we'll kind of see how we're doing on time and maybe i mean we might just do the west after that and then that would be kind of it so let's take a look here um so i guess we have i'm pulling up uh we, we'll start in the division that most of our listeners know the best which is the uh, the Central, or excuse me, the Discover uh, Central. <laughs> uh, the Discover, the <laughs> Discover Central. Um, and as it stands right now, it's basically there are three spots that are like almost 100% determined. Uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay um, and Florida, actually, because now that I look at it, it's uh, Carolina has 57 points, Tampa has 56 and Florida has 56. Now, they played a little bit of a uh, uh, different number of games there, but they're all right in the, you know, basically any of those three teams could finish first, second, and third. And then after that, there is going to be a race for the last spot, uh, probably between Nashville and Chicago. Um Dallas does have a chance, but they they've kind of haven't been as good as they were at the beginning of the year. But it seems like you know they're they're kind of in that mix. Um, and Columbus technically too, but I don't know. I think they're they might be a little bit too far back. Uh, so actually, l- let's just start here. So out of those out of those teams, which team do you think is uh, is going to win that last spot or you know, get that last spot there? Well, it's not going to be the Red Wings. <laughs> 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 I am I'm. F- Pretty sure it will not be the uh, the Blue Jackets, and not just because they lost to us. <laughs> yeah. uh, I th- I don't think it will be the Stars, although I can see that being a very interesting scenario because they are, you know, they're at 38 games played, and the other two are at 41. So they do have, you know, they can certainly catch up to uh, Chicago, but to catch up to Nashville, that's a bit of a jump, and they haven't 
you know, been showing that they're, you know, going to make any sort of leap or that, you know, and then they're going to have to play extra games, which is going to be exhausting for them. But I'm not sure who they're going to end up playing. I don't, I haven't looked at the schedule, Um, but I I don't think it'll be them. I, I think it'll stay with, I think Nashville will stay there. And I'm not sure if that's what I want the answer to be or not. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why I'm having so much trouble and I'm like slowly meandering towards a point because I don't really know what I want the answer to be. So I think I'll just say, uh, I'll say, I'll say Nashville, but do you see a scenario where um, either Chicago or Dallas realistically uh, jump up? I, I, I think it's definitely possible. Uh, one thing I do know from looking at the schedule recently is that, um, actually we talked about this, uh, we play Dallas four straight games at one point. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. We did talk about that. Yes, I believe, Maybe I they believe will. you said Maybe that they is... Will. I think you said that is too many times. <laughs> Maybe they will jump up. I may have to eat my words here. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance for Dallas. I think basically any of those teams can can make it. I think the one the one team other than Detroit that I would say probably not is going to be Columbus just because they played 42 games. Uh, you know, basically they played one more than Nashville and Chicago. Uh, they played four more than Dallas. And I think just the chance that they're going to jump all of those teams I think is unlikely. Uh, um, because, you know, when we get down to this part of the season every year, not even just here, uh, just this year, when we get down to the end of the season and, um, you know, it's like there is the illusion of parody. Like there's the illusion that some of these races are closer than they appear. But then because of the, you know, the, the loser point, the three point, you know, the, the, the chance for three points to be given out in a game instead of just two, um, that it's very, very hard for teams to leapfrog multiple teams in front of them. Um, and yeah. so now, you know, for Dallas to jump basically th- two, two other teams, I, I don't see that happening. Oh, I guess Columbus, Columbus to, to jump three teams. I don't see, I don't see yeah. that happening. Especially in a bubble scenario because hmm. some, you know, the Predators can play the Blackhawks and somebody is getting points. And right. either way, that kicks Columbus down. So when you're, you know, you can't just go beat up on some team like the Senators. Um, you know, it's, there's always going to be someone getting points so that makes it extra hard to catch up. Um, cause you're all trapped in the bubble together. Yeah. Especially if it goes to overtime and then, you know, then, you know, like, like let's say Nashville and Chicago play and it goes to overtime. One of those teams got two points, but the other team <laughs> got a point, you know, so they're, they're, they're kind of staying, staying up ahead of you unless you got two points in. Yeah. It's basically it very, very quickly becomes very hard. Um, I don't, I don't know. This is this is tough. I think I think the most likely the most likely scenario is, is going to be Nashville staying in that spot. Um, if I had to bet on it, that's probably what I would bet on. I think they they have the talent. I mean, we've kind of seen it that they have even with Philip Forsberg injured, they have a, a lot of talent. And when they're playing the way that they can play, they're a very good hockey team, and they probably should be doing better than they are. Um, so I think. You know, I think kind of down the stretch, I think maybe, um, you know, I would bet on them uh, kind of closing closing out strong or strong enough to stay in content, you know, to stay in that last spot. Um, but then I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens above them with Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Um, 
we're starting to see some uh, some of those those teams making some trades. I know uh, Florida uh, Florida acquired Brandon Montour from uh, the Buffalo Sabers. I saw just recently. I saw uh, Elliot Friedman tweeted that he he's hearing that Tampa Bay is looking uh, to trade with Columbus to get uh, Savard, and you know that would definitely be helpful to them. I don't think it's like you know one of those kind of like you know one piece away from a championship yeah. type thing. I mean, they're already getting Kucherov back, which is a whole yeah. other thing. Um, they're already like zero pieces away. So. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they won last year. You know, they're they're looking really good. They have, <laughs> you know, some of the best forwards in the NHL. They have the, the the goalie that's been playing the best, and they have one of the you know the most dominant defensemen in decades. Uh, I think they're I think they're okay. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, I think maybe you know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if. Uh, I, I think probably the most interesting thing there is going to be to see if Florida can make it so Carolina and Tampa have to play each other in the first round. Yeah, that was that was going to be my question of what you know series do you think would be the most entertaining? You know, saying saying if the Predators were in and just saying we have those top four. If yeah, I, I agree. I think that having Carolina and Tampa play each other would be really fun but that also maybe because i always am like putting down the panthers is boring i'm like yeah who cares about them they're boring i don't care so that's also maybe my personal bias i'm sorry panthers fans i'm sorry the one panther fan who is listening (laughs) i remember when uh detroit had just played somebody i forget who we had played like columbus i think we in a two-game series and we looked you know we it's like hey we're looking pretty good and then we played florida and it's like oh I forgot. Florida's good. Florida's a lot better than we are. They're a lot better than Columbus. Um, and it was very painful. Uh, a painful realization. But I, I think it would be very NHL for probably one of the top you know, two or three playoff series that you could possibly have this year to be in the first round. And I think it, I mean, it, it usually is. Yeah. I, I feel like historically the second round is – Maybe it's just because sometimes the second round gets really repetitive, yeah. And you're like, oh, same teams, okay. Like, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's a little different, you know, with bubbles. But mm. I think, and maybe I only want to pay attention to one round, and then I want to go watch baseball. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just get some entertainment right away. I can totally understand that. I I agree. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I had. Um I just realized while we're talking, I can pull up uh, Micah's uh, playoff projections. Um, and, yeah, so he has uh, all three of those other teams. I said uh, Florida is the lowest with a 99.8% chance of making the playoffs. Ooh, that's, that's close. <laughs> yeah. And then we have uh, Nashville with a 65% chance and Dallas with a 24 uh, Chicago with eight eighty five or 8.5. And, and, again, that's going to be based on schedules and things like that. Um, so... Yeah, it really wow. makes it a lot less fun down, yeah. you know. And and especially, you know, for for a team like the Red Wings, our opportunity to play spoilers and be like, let's ruin someone's season by beating them when they absolutely had to get two points, they only got one. That, yeah. you know, that's we don't get that's like the little spark of joy that <laughs> tanking teams can can kind of dig out of the last 3 or 4 weeks of the season and I think we're I, I don't think we're going to take down the Panthers. So. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, 
So uh, before we get to the interview with Prashanth, let's take a, a quick look out to the east because the east is pretty much set. Um, right now, uh, looking at Micah's uh, model, you have uh, the New York Islanders with a 98.4% chance. Uh, Pittsburgh is 97.9, Washington 97.7, and Boston is 92.3. Right, so basically the Rangers and the Flyers have roughly a 7% chance each of catching uh, any of those teams. So it basically looks like it's going to be those four teams. Um, the only question is going to be the order. Um, so I guess, you know, let's, let's just talk about these four teams. Like, you know, what, what series do you think would be really interesting here? Like, what are you looking for in terms of like storylines out of this, uh, this division? I like the East division cause there's a lot of hatred amongst themselves. Um, you know, first of all, it'd be really funny if the Bruins did, get knocked out like the Flyers went on some insane run or the Rangers and just took them out. But that's because I hate Boston. Oh, yeah. That would um, be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the least entertaining series would be Capitals and Islanders. Um, I, I There's a lot of hatred between um, Washington and Pittsburgh, as there should be. Um, and everybody <laughs> hates Boston. So yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would prefer. But uh, I don't know. Pittsburgh and Boston playing each other would be. That might be worth it. Okay, I think I've changed my mind. I think I want, <laughs> I think I want like the Penguins to climb up a little bit and get to play the Bruins, and then for the Capitals to beat the Islanders, and then the Capitals to play whoever wins the uh, Pittsburgh Boston series. Because then I get both the best of both. I get all that entertainment value. Sorry, Islanders, <laughs> you're not part of my scheme. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, looking you know, looking at those four teams, like. Obviously, I have a, a soft spot for the Islanders. Um, I do like the you know I do like the Capitals uh, minus one player. If you could take Tom Wilson off the Capitals, I would I would really like them. Uh, obviously, this year with having Zdeno Chara, I think that would be a really interesting thing to see. Um, you know, Chara go on a deep playoff run with a different team. I think that would be cool. Um, what would be awesome, obviously, would be. Uh, you know, Chara scoring the game-winning goal to knock Boston out. <laughs> that would be incredible. Um, and I think, yeah, I think for me, like Pittsburgh and Boston, I would like them both to lose. So however, however we can make that work. Like right now, uh, as it stands right now, it would be Washington and Boston and uh, the Islanders and Pittsburgh, I think. I, I'm not sure about the tiebreaker between Washington and the Islanders because they both have 56 points. They both have the same you know, win percentage, uh, or point percentage, but, you know, hypothetically, if we could have Islanders, Pittsburgh and Washington, Boston, then I could get rid of the two teams. I don't want to be there in the first round and that would be <laughs> wonderful. So neither of them will, I, I won't have to worry about them winning the Stanley cup, uh, <laughs> which would be fantastic. Yeah. So, um, just to make sure that we have enough time for uh, a good chat with Prashanth, uh, we are gonna, we're going to stop there. We're going to have a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we are going to have uh, Prashanth Iyer with us. <music> 
All right, welcome back. Uh, our guest today um, is certainly somebody that you've heard of uh, if you uh, you know follow the Red Wings community online, like most of our listeners do. But even if you're not a Red Wings fan, uh, there's a very good chance uh, you've seen tweets or articles or uh, lots of stuff by him. Um, so, uh, well, without further ado, his name is Prashanth Iyer. So, so he is he is now a sometimes writer for. Uh, Wing It in Motown uh, has done a lot of articles for the Athletic. Um, now you probably see, you probably hear him most uh, on his podcast uh, with Max Boltman called Wings for Breakfast, uh, which is on the Athletic Podcast Network and is fantastic. Um, so, Prashant, how are you doing today? I cannot complain. I am, I am ready for the debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, speaking of debauchery, I. Uh, the uh, I noticed that you recorded the last episode of your podcast before uh, the Red Wings 7-1 loss to Nashville. Well, I mean, that was somewhat expected that it was going to be an absolute dumpster fire. But in reality, Max and I just had to, schedule-wise, Max had to be able to get to the rink, and he wanted to see the U18 game on our normal uh, recording day, which is Wednesday. So we took a gamble. We said, let's go ahead and record ahead of uh, this game, hoping that nothing uh, important happens and nothing important happened because only one of the hockey teams showed up. <laughs> yeah. Like Sarah said before, when we were, I think we were recording the first segment of this, um, it was either the first segment or second segment. So you're either have already heard it or you'll hear it after this, um, <laughs> that, you know, when you look at your phone app and one of the numbers is a seven and it's not your team, that's not good. Yeah. Particularly when the sport <laughs> is not football. <laughs> like I said before, um, you do the uh, the Wings for Breakfast podcast. Uh, I I'm not going to say I listen to every single episode because you know how hard it can be to keep up with podcasts these days um, when there's so many options. But I would say I listen to I would say probably at least seventy five percent of them, uh, if not more. Um, and one thing I really like about the podcast is how. You know, you come at the situations from more of a, you know, more of an analytical perspective. Um, but at the same time, you also understand, you know, systems and things like that. You know, you can, you know, watch a game, watch a video, kind of break it down and, and, and point out things. Um, Max comes at it, I would say, probably a little bit more from, you know, watching the game perspective. But at the same time, especially, you know, as you two have worked together, you know, you could, you know, he can approach the game and, you know, talk about the statistics and things like that, too. Um, so that's one thing I really like about it. So what do you think is um, kind of like the biggest... Uh, the biggest thing you've learned doing that podcast with Max. Yeah, I think it's it's a really great summary that you just put together. I think for me, um, you know, what kind of makes it fun for us is that it's two people coming at it from a very different perspective. Like, I want to shove all of the numbers down your throat and slap you upside the head with them. And Max is very much <laughs> like, there is a human element to things. There is a person element to things. and And we have to think about that. So I think... Maybe the, 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 my favorite part of it really is that that's rubbed off on me to a certain extent where I think I'm less reactionary to things that don't jive with my worldview and my perspective. And I think vice versa, Max has now you know, probably picked up a little bit more of the number and analytical aspect to things. So uh, for me, that's been the greatest gain out of the podcast is sort of toning down that reactionary nature to, you know, the next seven one dumpster fire. I just don't care. <laughs> I'm just not worried about it. So 
it, 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 it's worked wonders for me this year and last year. So I will, cer- I will certainly say that's been a major positive. You sound very zen about about that. I'm I'm envious. I need to absorb some of that. Not reacting. I mean, I don't. I certainly don't react with spreadsheets or numbers, as anyone who has ever seen any of my tweets would know. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and absorb that from you now. That it's fine. It's fine. I mean, don't I shouldn't worry say it. that I'm the best one to do that <laughs> from. There are still very reactionary <laughs> tweets that are happening, as, as particularly when some bourbon gets involved, but. You know, I think the best part about it has been like people will be like, how are you not pissed at Jeff Blaschel? And it's, well, I can't control that. I have nothing, you know, I, I don't know what you want me to say here. Like, he stinks, but he's still the coach, and I can't do anything <laughs> about that. So I'm just going to watch the hockey game. It's been it's been very nice. It's been very freeing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, um, you know, at the beginning of this year, and, and this is something that you know, we we – you know, all three of us had kind of talked about prior to the season. Um, you know, I wrote an article that was kind of very personal for me about how, you know, this is the first season that, that hockey, you know, the, the hockey season was approaching and I felt like I didn't really care uh, just because of, you know, kind of everything that was happening in the world. You know, there was all this stuff going on. Why should I care about a game? Like there's so many, you know, there's, there's, there's so much other things that are going on that are more important. Um, And, you know, I will say that I do, you know, I have been able to watch, you know, watch hockey and kind of enjoy it maybe a little bit more than I thought I would, Uh, probably not to the normal level I normally would, but, um, you know, definitely, you know, more than I thought. Um, But I, I think it's kind of been the same for me that I don't. I don't get too up or too down about the results of the hockey game. Um, I care. I want the team to win. I feel probably a little bit better after we win than after we lose, especially like a <laughs> 7-1 game. But I'm not like living or dying by the score. Um, so actually, yeah, uh, we we crossed off one of the uh, questions on the mailbag <laughs> <laughs> already, which is awesome. So um, I forget his name. I think Swedish Datsuk or something like that. Um I should probably just have it in front of me because then I could actually say it. Uh, yeah, Swedish Daxuk. There's there, there there's your answer. Uh, one one thing I was interested in asking you um, is I've been I, I haven't finished it. I need to go back and finish it. But I've been reading this book uh, by Adam Grant called Think Again, uh, and it is about uh, basically the science of rethinking. Uh, you know, going back and questioning your assumptions. Uh, that you know, that's part of it. It's also about how to have a conversation with somebody if you want to try to get them to see your perspective, you know, how can you do that? Because obviously it can be very tough. You know, if you're trying to get somebody to kind of look at your point of view, you know, there's a lot of psychology involved. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things are effective. Like for example, in the book, one of the things that he said was that uh, they did a study and they found that uh, typically offering one good reason was typically more effective than offering six reasons. You know, if you're like, oh, it's this and this and this and this, that was that was less effective than just giving one good reason. Uh, so anyway, it's an interesting book, but it made me think about, um, you know, what is like, like, what would you think is the last major thing about hockey that you have changed your mind on in terms of like from a fundamental way of understanding the game? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And the whole science of rethinking and, and understanding how to have conversations. I mean, that's why Twitter was invented, right? This is totally the place to have those discussions. Uh, you know, 280 characters and having people browbeat each other is a great way to, to go about things. Um, but, you know, for me in hockey, probably the number one thing that I think my position has changed on over the years is coaching impacts and really how much a coach can kind of change what is happening. I think probably years ago, I used to think that, you know, coaches could step in, have monumental impacts. I mean, as Wings fan, Sarah, I have to mention it, 2009, <laughs> there, there was a coaching change on a team um, that just happened to play the Red Wings and just happened to, to defeat them for the Stanley Cup. And, and, and even though that year doesn't really exist now, uh, we, there, there have been stories told about it. And so... I used to believe for the longest time that coaches just could come in, fundamentally change things and have this massive impact. And kind of the more you I've thought about it and listened to other people, Micah McCurdy in particular has been a big kind of proponent of this. Others I've talked to, um, you know, have mentioned this as well. Coaching probably doesn't matter a whole lot in the hockey, in, in the NHL. Um, players are really, really good. Systems are all very some very similar kind of across the board. Uh, hmm. It's really talent differential that wins out when you're when you're looking at these teams. And in the scenarios where you have teams that are worse than other teams uh, and win in the playoffs, it's not because of better coaching. It's usually because their goaltender stood on their head. So what I was often attributing to coaches is really just talent differential. And so that you know, going back to that question from Swedish Datsuk, that's another reason why I just simply do not care because. I, I just don't think it matters a whole lot. You swap out Jeff Blasho for you decide who. Nothing is fundamentally changing tomorrow. It's after you've drafted several years of good hockey players, then, then things are better. I mean, that team that we won't really mention the name of in 2009 had <laughs> multiple very, very good players, including two of the five best centers in the National Hockey League, you know, plus a number of other good pieces there and a goaltender that stood on his head. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've pivoted on over the last decade or so, I think. Now, do you think, do you think that there are any coaches that make a fundamental difference? I think there are coaches that are better than other coaches. Like John Cooper is mm. a heck of a hockey coach. You watch the way he, he coaches the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's it's a match made in heaven. But that being said, you know, Tampa, if they really did pull off this David Savard deal that, you know, who knows what they, else they actually got. I mean, you're talking about a team that took the reigning MVP off of their roster and is still yeah. the best team in hockey. Uh, that is a team that's just absolutely loaded with talent. Uh, Rod Bridmore is another guy that comes to mind. But again, the Hurricanes are absolutely loaded with talent. You know, there's the piece where it's hard to separate how much did the coach develop those guys to get there, particularly when you're talking about, you know, guys like Andre Sveshnikov, Sebastian Ajo, some of those younger players in Carolina. Um, and then really there's other guys where you're like, okay, maybe they've had a lot of talent, kind of failed to succeed, more of like a Bruce Boudreau uh, type coach who has, you know, been blessed with talent and rosters and, uh, really all over in Anaheim and, and, and uh, you know, Washington and not been able to succeed to that extent. So I do think there is some differential between good coaches and bad coaches. But really, to me, the best coaches are, are motivators. They're people that can get you to bring the best out of you. 
but not really from a system or tactics perspective. So, uh, and, and ultimately, I think the difference between the best coaches and the worst coaches isn't significant. And I think it goes to what you were saying about, about Twitter as well, you know, as it is kind of a hive mind. And, you know, as, as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's easy to be mad at a coach and to blame a coach than to blame the collective lack of talent. And it's comforting to have one person that you can just bitch about on, you know, with, <laughs> with your friends. And, um, you know, so now that kind of has me thinking, like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm also falling into the Twitter trap of being like, it's just, it's just easy to, to make fun of a coach and be mad at a coach. And, and it's nice to just have, you know, especially with how many problems the whole world has had. It's just like, okay, this is a problem. This is a person that I can just be mad at for some, and it feels simple. So, no. Yeah, I mean the memeability is there as well, right? I mean, there's the faces, <laughs> yeah. there's the there's there's the sentences that are uttered from his mouth, and you're like, I have to make fun of this because this doesn't make sense. So, you know, he it's sort of like the the end of the Dark Knight, where you know he's not the hero we need, but the you know the one that we deserve at this moment, uh, because he he is able to take all of that and uh, you know takes kind of a, a lot of the frustration from fans, but. I mean, truth be told, if you want an exercise on how to evaluate this, take the Red Wings roster, take Dylan Larkin, and then pull up the Tampa Bay Lightning roster and ask yourself, where would Dylan Larkin play on the Tampa Bay Lightning roster? And if you don't legitimately tell yourself he's their third-line center, then then you're probably not thinking through things correctly. And that just, again, goes to show you the massive gap in talent that you're seeing between the top and the bottom and and ultimately that's that's the difference it's not i don't know what you want jeff flashel to do he's not going to win all that much more you can drop john cooper here and he's not going to win that much more it's like you you sort of have to have good players first to be able to actually do things so that's been the biggest thing for me is just like i'm going to stay out of that because at the end of the day i just don't think it makes a huge difference i think detroit just needs better hockey players so we're going to dip into the mailbag. We already we already got one. Um, so I'm going to combine uh, I'm going to combine two questions here uh, to try to get as many people uh, you know a chance to ask a question. Uh, so basically, okay. So so I'm going to read the first one from JJ, and then I'm going to add on the second one that's kind of related, so you can kind of hopefully do it both at the same time. Uh, so he says it's been a while since we parsed this, and I've forgotten a bunch. Based on the team comportment for this year and the anticipated pieces coming in the next few, uh, Valeno, Sider, Raymond, etc., what position should the Wings be most hopeful to get to stock in the first round of this year's draft, and where should they be using the depth uh, picks to look for home runs? Are we still in anything-goes kind of mode, or should we be targeting more specifically? And then, again, on, on the kind of the same wavelength, uh, Plant Down Babylon asks, who are the top three players you think Stevie Y should draft, assuming we're in the top six this year so i guess that's kind of like part of jj's question um but then there's a little bit more yeah i mean from my standpoint i firmly believe that uh, you should always take best player available particularly in the first rounds but even more so in the later rounds Um, i think with the top 10 picks there is a little bit more certainty and talent when drafting those guys however I, i think in the top in the first round in particular um players that are forwards particularly centers and wingers uh, i think tend to project a little bit better to the nhl level compared to defensemen and then especially compared to goaltenders so 
for me, I'm not necessarily worried about a specific position, but if you've got two guys that are maybe perceived to be the same, I would draft the center, and then I would draft the winger, and then I would draft the defenseman, and then I would probably draft somebody like from another league before I ever considered a goaltender. Um, so, uh, but that's kind of how I think through things. So it's really take the best player available, but if a couple guys are close, um, then I suspect, uh, what you should do is take the center and then winger and so on and so forth that way, because of how those guys ultimately project out. We see that there's a number of defensemen selected in the top 10 over the last 15 years that just never panned out the way that people thought they were going to pan out. I mean, Eric Goodbranson was a third overall pick. Rasmus Ristolainen was a high pick. These are guys that play a lot of minutes and don't really do anything on the ice. Um, you know, Ryan Murray was a, a second overall pick. He's a guy that's never really developed into anything. So I think those guys that are taken earlier um, tend to be a little bit, maybe a little less certain that they're actually going to reach the NHL level. And then to follow up with the second part of the question, who are the three guys I would take right now? Um, I think it's tough to pin it down to just three guys. Uh, but if I'm looking at three, it's probably William Eklund, who's great uh, center slash winger uh, playing over in the SHL, arguably the, the most skilled player in the draft, um, likely going to go in the top five. And then Dylan Genther, uh, heck of a hockey player out in the WHL. He's kind of neck and neck with Connor Bedard there in terms of leading the, the WHL in scoring. Very talented winger. Um, could be able to provide a lot of offense for Detroit. And then the third one is probably Matty Beneers. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with him. He's basically Dylan Larkin light, played at University of Michigan. Center, probably going to give you a Dylan Larkin type ceiling, uh, which is good. And, you know, it may be surprising that I didn't mention a single defenseman, and that's because it, it relates back to exactly what I just said. I have more certainty in the forwards being good than, than I do the defensemen. So you t- mentioned goalies, so I'm going to jump to uh... – Maybe more of a comment than a question from uh, from Brad Hughes. <laughs> he, uh, he asked, uh, did you hear the goalie talk on this week's Puck Soup? Um, he said, Sean makes an analogy between goalies and NFL kickers that sounds very much like something you would come up with in your discussions about goalies with Max on Wings for Breakfast. Along the way, they conclude that you shouldn't give goalies long-term or big money, which makes me think that you eventually wrote that article but only distributed it in-house. So <laughs> that sounds very much like something that I would say because I'm I'm 99% sure I've made the goalie to NFL kicker comparison before. Um, I don't know where, but I'm I'm relatively certain I've made that exact comparison before. Although kickers are a little bit different. I think the I think maybe the comparison I made was goalies to NFL running backs, where uh, running backs right now again are a position where. NFL teams are really realizing it's more about the scheme than it is the actual player and that you can swap out players within a blocking scheme and get similar results. And so kind of tying it down to the fact that it's not really who's in net, it's the defense that's in front of them uh, to a certain extent. And so uh, I don't know. That's a The kicker one is interesting. The kicker's one I don't like as much maybe just because uh with kickers i mean they're all recyclable they're all very similar maybe that's how you tie into the goalies but i think that's kind of maybe where it ends but i absolutely agree with the the rest of that statement there where i wouldn't give goalies term i wouldn't give goalies money i mean if you want to look at the worst contracts in the nhl right now Kerry prices is up there he just got that big contract a couple years ago sergey bobrovsky signed his contract what was it beginning of last season 
already looks like the worst deal in hockey right now <laughs> and has six more years, I believe, or seven more years left on it. So uh, very quickly, those goalie contracts uh, become terrible. I mean, you look at a guy like, um, you know, uh, over the years, some of the guys who have won, um, like the MVP. So Jose Teodor is a guy, I think back in 2002, he won the MVP. And then two years later was being run out of Montreal for being terrible. And then four years after that was giving up uh, eight goals to the Red Wings in the Western Conference semifinals uh, when the Wings swept the Avs there. So, you know, that was a that was a great hockey game to watch. So it's just there's so <laughs> much variability with goaltenders. I mean, two years ago, we're talking about Devin Dubnik being one of the best goalies in hockey. Now we're like, why would you even trade for him uh, like Colorado yeah. just did? So. Uh, that makes perfect sense. So I very much uh, share in the goalie shaming process. <laughs> yeah, Devin Dubnik uh, single-handedly won a fantasy hockey league for me. Uh, that one, that one year he had that ridiculous season. Um, so I, I have a little soft spot for for Devin <laughs> Dubnik, even though I know it's it's not you know valid in terms of his performance now. Um, all right, I want to get to this uh, this question uh, that I thought was really interesting. Uh, so it's from Twitter. It's at Wingsfan One Thousand uh, Phil Roberto. Um, so it's kind of like a two-tweet two question. Uh, he and Max often use advanced stats to evaluate players. Um, for example, they mentioned that Troy Stetcher is our best D-man. I just don't, quote, see it with my actual observation. So my question relates to the disconnect between what the stats are stating, what we are watching. So the player might be on for more shots for, but his breakout passes consisted of banking the puck off the boards or incomplete stretch passes. Um, and then he says, this is not an indictment. Uh, of Stetcher, but just an example. So I, I, I think that's a really interesting question because this happens to me too, where I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, if I look at the stats, I'm like, oh, this guy should be good. And then when I'm watching it, I'm like, really? Uh, and sometimes vice versa. So, so what do you think about that? It's a great question. And it's honestly one of the reasons why there was slow adoption of analytics uh, to a certain extent, why there still continues to be slow adoption is people will be like, hey, that player looks like doo-doo, and you're trying to tell me that he's a very good <laughs> hockey player. Uh, what gives? So I think for me, the what it comes down to is, number one in hockey, very fast game. You watch it on TV. You don't see all the plays. You see a fraction of what is actually happening on the ice, right? And because of the speed of the game, you oftentimes don't get to see what's happening away from the puck that may be the reason why a play ultimately happened. So let's say you see a guy make an incomplete breakout pass, but it's because the forward curled the wrong direction and ended up curling himself into traffic. So read number one is taken away from your defenseman, and now they're going to read number two, tougher pass, tighter window. They end up having an incomplete pass. That shouldn't be on the defenseman. He's looking for option number one, but option number one makes the mistake. You never see it because you're watching the puck on the defenseman's stick. So I, I kind of grant myself that leeway to say, I'm not seeing everything that's happening. And then the second thing is, I am not a professional hockey scout. I'm a dude sitting on a couch with a glass of bourbon watching hockey. So I can't tell you what is really outstanding technique or outstanding form. Yeah. The highest level of hockey I played was getting all the way through middle school, uh, oddly enough, as a goaltender before I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, so... I, I grant myself that by saying I, I not an, I'm not an NHL scout. I'm not a guy who's going to be able to figure out the intricacies of this position. I'm not seeing everything that happens. 
So at the end of the day, if the results are good, then I don't actually care how you got to the results because the results are good. And so hmm. that's all that matters to me. It's like, you know, Peter giving you a teaching analogy. You see a kid never study, but the kid always shows up and they have a 95 on their on their test. It's like, okay, the kid sucks. No, the kid doesn't <laughs> suck. He's got a 95 on every on every test. So <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Whatever you're doing is working because the measurable objective results are there. So even if he looks like doo-doo to you and you're like, there's no way him twiddling a pencil is is resulting in him learning any of this information, his results say he is, so let it fly. Mm. And that's kind of, you know, my approach to, to evaluating these players. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple minutes left, um, and so we're going to put you on the spot with who's your, uh, who's your bet to get picked by Seattle? This is from Chill Distiller. I think it's going to be Evgeny Svechnikov because I don't think they're going to protect him. I can hear the yeah. like waves of outrage <laughs> from his Bring little, his little corner in. of his, his corner of very dedicated fans. <laughs> but I, I, I agree honestly. Yeah. I, I have him on my list too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from from doing the expansion draft series, uh, we've so far we've gotten up to the last one is Colorado. Yeah, Chicago and Colorado were the last one. We're going alphabetically. Um, and, yeah, I mean, basically, Sveshnikov, I mean, maybe Chalosky, I guess, but um, I think I, I, I think Sveshnikov, Sveshnikov is, is very likely there. I, I definitely agree. Um, so we'll let you go in just a minute, but we had to make sure we get to this last question uh, because we had to talk about this. Um, so this is from Sam RH. How long before you put your kid on skates, and will you be their hockey coach? Congrats on the pending arrival, by the way. Of course, we had to mention this. Congratulations on the, the recent news uh, that you and your wife are expecting. Thank you. We are extraordinarily excited. Um, I think I would do a disservice to my child if I served as their hockey coach, as I just told you about my experiences as a, as a floundering goaltender that just tried to be Dominic Koshik, and that didn't work so well. Um, honestly, you know, I'm not going to force anything on, on the kid. I think I'll let him figure out what he likes, what he doesn't like, and you know, if me watching every Red Wings game on the couch and yelling at the TV is enough to get him engaged, then sure, I'll put some some skates on him. The Carolina Hurricanes actually have an outstanding uh, youth hockey program down here that does a great job getting, you know, young kids uh, in and, and, and getting them on ice and getting them in games. So if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. So some kids, uh, some parents try to talk their kids out of playing the drums. You're going to try and talk them out of playing goalie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, the, my child was not playing goaltender. All of you who sent me that, I unliked your tweets on, on Twitter. Uh, that that will be forbidden. Number one, I'm not paying for the equipment, and number two, I'm not letting my child have to deal with the psychological nature of being a goaltender. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we want to make sure uh, any of our listeners that don't follow you on Twitter uh, do. Obviously, like we said before, uh, we mentioned the podcast, Wings for Breakfast. Uh, it is awesome. You can get it um, through the Athletic app, and you can also get at least some of the episodes on other podcast apps. Um, and if you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, it is Iyer uh, underscore Prashanth. So I-Y-E-R underscore P-R-A-S-H. A-N-T-H. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention in the intro that is really a wonderful uh, 
service to the the hockey analytics community is uh prashanth is the co-creator of meta hockey uh which is a fantastic uh website that has um like let's say if you wanted to learn more about expected goals you know you you read about it or you heard about it and you wanted to learn more if you uh you can search for there and you could find a bunch of articles that have been written um you can find all sorts of stuff there um it's a really great uh website for uh finding stuff so uh prashanth thanks again for joining us we had a great time thanks for having me as always welcome back we are going to now take a look at the west playoff races with the west division and the north division and uh let's start in the west and take a look i honestly have not been watching too many uh games in the west division how about you peter have you been keeping an eye on them nope uh the reason the reason why is uh it's exactly the reason i said before um i go to bed really early most of the time uh there is no way i am staying up for a, a western uh you know west west coast game uh and now um you know with the way that it's set up uh, you know, pretty much every game in, in that division is West Coast time, except I, I guess there's a couple teams that aren't West Coast time. Um, now that I look at it, they're, they're not all West Coast time. But even if they're not West Coast time, they're still later than I'm going to be watching. Uh, yeah, but they do have some uh, closer races. I mean, I th- Colorado is um, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty well well up there but uh that and uh vegas and minnesota are both looking in pretty good shape um but that fourth spot looks like it's a real toss-up between uh arizona st louis uh san jose can get in there yeah. i'm gonna say not not anaheim yeah. i think anaheim is is down with us yes <laughs> in the not a chance and uh, i don't think la is gonna it's gonna catch up either but it, it'll be a it looks like it will actually be a very a race worth watching to uh to see who gets that fourth spot do you have any uh predictions um as you were talking i pulled up uh again micah blake mccurdy uh if you if you don't know who i'm talking about if you uh on twitter it's uh at ineffective math uh he runs uh hockeyviz.com and he has just a ton of awesome stuff uh, and I don't know if it's every day he tweets it out, but I know a lot, you know, he tweets out the playoff chances a lot. Um, yeah, like you were saying before, basically Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota are pretty much locks. Uh, and then, you know, his model has Arizona and St. Louis almost dead even. Arizona is slightly higher, uh, but it's it's pretty, it's almost exactly the same. And then Saint, San Jose is... Uh, you know, lower, uh, like those other teams are 36% chance. San Jose is 20, right? So that's a, you know, it's a pretty big drop off. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it would be interesting. I, I honestly, I would like to see Arizona um, just because I kind of feel like every year I would predict that this is the year that Arizona is going to make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and looking back on it, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we didn't. Uh, yeah, we definitely didn't do an episode, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season. So I didn't make my playoff predictions uh, that are always very wrong at the beginning <laughs> of the season, and I didn't get a chance to to, to make the Arizona prediction. So I'm going to do it now. And you know what that means, Coyotes? Uh, just wave as Saint uh, as Saint Louis passes you uh, to take that fourth spot. I'm trying to remember um, the playoff bracket 
like that we did for winging it in Motown last year. And I think I was the only person who picked Arizona to win. <laughs> and they got farther than anyone. I, I believed in them. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you? I, I, I was the only one. I obviously didn't have the, uh, uh, oh, what's, what's that saying? Um, the confidence of my convictions or whatever it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but not this time. This time, you hear that, Arizona? <laughs> Peter's got your back this time. Yeah. So, I I'm I'm looking to see because I I think this is going to be interesting to see if Colorado is as dominant as they seem to be because obviously in the regular season I mean right now you know they are let's see their point percentage is 7.25 I'm trying to see well I guess Carolina is a little bit ahead at 7.31 but yeah so they're the second highest winning percentage in the or point percentage in the entire league obviously. Uh, you know, even if you don't watch them, I mean, just from being on Twitter and existing, uh, you know, you see a lot of highlights and, uh, you know, you know, a lot of tweets about how dominant their performance was, you know, today or whatever. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they pull a Tampa Bay uh, from, what, two years ago, where they look like they're going to be the cup favorites and then they lose in the first round. I think that would be fascinating. Well, now, I mean, well, now they have Patrick Nemeth, so Ooh, they're ne- unstoppable. Never mind. Red Wings, a Red Wing will be lifting the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine that? If, like, if after... After all of the the trade kind of like hype and the trade, uh, uh, you know, thoughts for the Red Wings and all the, I, I guess you wouldn't call it like rosterbation, like the trade deadline bation of, <laughs> uh, you know, Glenn Denning and Bernier, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, like it makes sense that those players would get traded. I'm not saying like that that's like out of nowhere, um, but if after all of that, if Patrick Nemeth is the one to get traded and then go on a very deep cup run. <laughs> I'll have that like Nick Jensen awakening that yeah. like we <laughs> traded him all of a sudden. He was like, Oh, I'm going to be really good. We're like, what, <laughs> what about us though? <laughs> where was, where was that Nick Jensen in Detroit? <laughs> so it turned out he just had to be on a good team. <laughs> that seems to happen. That seems to be a very Detroit thing. I think more with, <laughs> More with the baseball team than the hockey team, but we, you know, Patrick Eves, he's the one who always comes to mind for me, um, where it's like we, we start something and then ship them off and then they, they bloom and we're like, damn it. Yeah, I don't, I don't follow baseball too much. Um, I think Jay and I had talked about this before because Jay would cover a lot of the, the Tigers games and it's not that I don't like, like, I, I don't have like some kind of dislike of baseball. It's just more of like a like a, a mental bandwidth or like, a, you know, kind of like a, and they play during the day also yeah. a lot, yeah. which makes it harder if you're like trying to teach. Yeah. If I'm trying students. to do my like, job, hold on a second, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie's yeah. Maggie's batting. Give me like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, so far, all I know is that the tigers have a player that everybody likes that has an awesome name. Um, and there is a pitcher for another team that, that hits that hit the ball, the hardest I've ever seen anybody hit a ball. Well, I didn't know that second one, but I did know about Akil Badu. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> Very like I he almost it's even more like the beginning of the season when we were all like Matthias Brome, he's the man. That I'm hoping that, I mean I'm hoping this like character arc doesn't end in <laughs> disappearing, but yeah. um it's kind of that same like immediate hype of like ah oh, the chosen one has arrived. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know the name of the other guy, but I like there's a um, 
there's a player, obviously it must be in the National League, uh, and he, in the same game, I think he threw the fastest pitch of the season so far, and then he also hit a home run, and it was like the highest, what is it, exit velocity or whatever they call it. Um, and just the sound of it, I was like, oh my god. Like, it sounded like, <laughs> like, it sounded like he hit like, uh, I don't know, like a coconut with like a, like a stick, and it was just like, <laughs> Again, Shohei two for 13 with a homer so far on this side of the scorecard. First pitch swinging. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Oh, man! Lean into it! It was like the <laughs> loudest like uh, bat con- uh, you know, contact sound I'd ever heard. Um, and... Other people were saying that on Twitter too, so I don't feel bad saying that, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think so. The the, uh, the West, um, which by the way is the the Honda West, uh, and and I I only know that on NHL.com on their standings they have it listed there. Um, it's not like I'm sitting here memorizing uh, the division names. Uh, I don't know what people. I don't know what people would think about me if I did. I don't know if I would go up or down in their estimation. Probably down. I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, and then Minnesota is going to be a really interesting team, uh, once the playoffs start because of, uh, you know, Kapriel, um, or Kuriel Kaprizov, um, who is having a tremendous, uh, tremendous season. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I, I think I saw something about like how he, uh, um, you know, his stats as a rookie are like the best in the NHL since like World War II, which he coincidentally fought in. <laughs> it's so hard for me to be like put Minnesota and interesting yeah. like together. I still struggle with that. I'm always I don't know if I'm underestimating them or if I'm just ignoring them more than they deserve. But <laughs> it's always just like, eh, I don't care about them. What do they have? It that's interesting. Apparently, this guy. So. <laughs> Need to keep a keep a better eye out on him when the when the playoffs start, and not. I I know I'm going to fall into the trap where I'll be interested in just this kind of final race for the fourth spot, mm. and then not care until like the bubbles have are are broken and we're in those the last <laughs> the last series. Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, um, uh, like a deleted uh, a deleted last part of. Uh, the uh, the toast that uh, Bilbo gives in Lord of the Rings, like may I ignore you more than you deserve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess that, that leaves us with one one division left. The Scotia. Now it says Scotia North. Is it Scotia Bank or does Scotia have other things? I don't know. Um, yeah, I would assume it's the bank, but I've always I heard Scotia Bank, <laughs> but I don't know if maybe. And and people are probably like rolling their eyes right now. They're like, "How do you not know this?" I have no you idea. Stupid Americans. Yeah, but sorry, um, it, it is listed on NHL.com as Scotia North. Um, so you know the aforementioned Toronto Maple Leafs uh, are a dead lock to make it. Um, they are up to ninety nine point nine nine six percent. I want to know that <laughs> that scenario. Yeah, it's like a not. A, is it like a meteor strike? I think, I think he might. I think he might have uh, tweeted it out. Um, if you go back on his timeline, basically, uh, Toronto, Winnipeg and, and Edmonton are all 99 point, you know, 99% or higher to make the playoffs. Montreal is clocking in at 92%. So basically those are the four teams. Um, the only question is going to be the order. 
Uh, so yeah, it looks like Winnipeg and um, and Edmonton could very easily be flip flopping between that second and third spot the rest of the the rest of the way, and it could all come could all come down to one game. Is their last game against each other? Have they released the rest of the Canada schedule yet, or are we still oh, figuring that out because of the COVID situation? That is a very good question because I know with obviously Vancouver. Um, that is going to be... Or it'll be... just be everyone plays Vancouver for like... Vancouver plays every day for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just whoever beats them the most. They're going to they're gonna the switch into... Uh, they're going to split... The, they're going to do like they do in the preseason where they're going to split them into two teams. Oh, yeah. And so their A squad is going to play. Um, okay, like, so... All right, team, team blue, team white. <laughs> um, I looked up Edmonton's schedule while you are talking and right now their last two games are against Montreal. Uh, their two games before that are, are scheduled to be event against Vancouver, and then before that is Calgary. Uh, so it doesn't look like Winnipeg and, and uh, or Edmonton and Winnipeg are going to be playing, uh, you know, the last kind of couple weeks That's of the season. Shame. Maybe um, let me see if I go back. If I go back, maybe maybe before that Calgary series. Yeah. So the last time they're going to play Winnipeg is going to be uh, the 26th and 28th uh, in April. And then after that, they have one, two. They have six more games scheduled after that, and obviously it could be, you know, different uh, with Vancouver. I just really want to manufacture some drama. That's, I mean, Canada's pretty good at making their own drama, but I want to just amongst them, themselves. But I want to have that, like, really the narrative for the sake of the narrative. I wanted them to be like one game to decide who has to play Toronto. <laughs> Which maybe they want, maybe they want to. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. It's gonna be amazing. Like it's gonna be amazing if if somehow uh, the fallout from Vancouver is somehow Toronto has to play Boston in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that would happen, uh, but it would like make my year. That would be so fun. Uh, just oh, it would be it would be glorious. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know Toronto. Uh, obviously, the past few seasons they've had you know a a very strong team. They've done very well in the regular season, and then uh, then the playoffs happen. And uh, the interesting thing is going to be uh, you know a lot of a lot of the times uh, you know not just putting everything on him, but you know Freddie Anderson has not been a very strong playoff goalie for Toronto and. This year, uh, it looks like they might be riding the coattails of uh, Jack Campbell, who is, I think, going for his 11th win to start the season, I guess. Hmm. I well, that. they could always trade for a goalie, you know. Exactly. Some teams, some teams have, you know, guys like Jonathan Bernier, who just would love to just take a trip, <laughs> take a trip up north. Wow. Yeah, so that would be, okay, that would be a record, let's see, um... It would be an, yeah, it would be an NHL record, I think, for what is it? Oh, come on, come on, come on. I'm, I'm trying to scroll. Yeah, he will be if if he wins on Saturday night, which is tonight, as we record this. Um, he will be the first goaltender in National Hockey League history to win his first 11 games in a series or in a season. Wow. I'm sorry, that would be that would be pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, you're starting every game. Yeah, forever. Until you lose. He has the record for uh, Toronto, the Toronto record for most consecutive wins by a goalie. Um, he passed uh, he passed Felix Potvin, Jacques Plante, and John Ross Roach, which is definitely a good game of which of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> reading that, I, I, I kind of felt like Elmo was going to pop up on my screen. Yeah. Especially knowing how, you know, certain fan, <laughs> certain media areas turn against their goaltenders instantly. Yes. Will rip them to shreds the moment they show any sort of weakness. Yes. Uh, I will hope for his sake that he, uh, kind of has that nice storyline and i mean i don't want his name on the cup but, <laughs> but it sounds like one of those would be like oh we have now we have a great story to like really hype up yeah i think something I, I, something nice i would root for toronto in the playoffs a lot more if it wasn't for a lot of their fans because i don't want to say all their fans because i i do know some 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 good friends of mine who who are toronto fans but just like i don't know I don't know if it's just a social media thing. I don't know if it's just a Twitter thing, but they just have so many toxic fans. Yeah. It's just a vibe. It's like, I'm not, it's like, am I against the team or am I just against like the vibe? Yes. That they give off. Maybe both. Pretty I much. I, I think that's it. You know, but it's, it's different. Cause we're not, you know, we don't play Toronto. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, we'll, we'll hate them again later, but <laughs> there's not really anything to hate them for right now. Yeah. Cause we don't really have to be invested in their, their success or not success other than just like misery yeah. for other people. Right. But they look to be in pretty good shape now. So yeah, I, I, I always think it's fun to watch players like Mitch Marner, uh, you know, Austin, Austin Matthews. I mean, to me, Mitch Marner is like one of the most fun players in the NHL to watch. Um, that's why I love when I hear, uh, people say, you know, compare Lucas Raymond to Mitch Marner, uh, even just in play style, I mean that would be that would be so much fun, and yeah, that's, it's something that the team needs. It's something that Detroit needs is fun. Yes, it's almost nice to have, you know, our pro like wings prospects compared to players from other teams, because um, then it's like okay, this is something new. I mean, yeah. of course, I want <laughs> I want Maurice Sider to be the next Nick Lidstrom. Who doesn't? But <laughs> for something like that, with like it's a Mitch Marner, we're like okay, that's like something we don't have you know be like he's another Pavel Datsuk no he's not no one ever will be yeah so be like that just seems you know homerism right but but to reach out and be like you know or whoever probably not Austin Matthews either but yeah we can. <laughs> um so yeah before we wrap up I speaking of fun I Sarah you have something coming up that's fun on Twitter I I do yeah. I was like what is it <laughs> Yes. So I guess, yes, it's Saturday today. So yesterday I decided the, we are up to the eighth annual Detroit Red Wings Awards, which is, I don't know if I would call it a show, but it's something I've done on Twitter now for eight years running, where I create different awards like best hat, best smile, best goal, worst game. I haven't decided what the awards will be yet, um, but you will all be able to vote um, on who you think should win. And then on May 15th, I will announce the winners in dramatic fashion with fun, uh, photo edits. And, uh, so stay tuned on my Twitter for that. And I hope you'll all vote and I'll continue to hype it up as we get closer. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, make sure that you do that. Um, I, I got a chance to participate last year. I made one of the, uh, the visuals for one of the awards and that was a, a ton of fun. Uh, so, yeah, make sure that you check that out. Um, that is going to bring us to the end of another episode, episode 71, the Dylan Larkin episode, which we forgot to talk about at the beginning of the show. Uh, so we'll 
we'll mention it now. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at P Flynn Hockey. Uh, Sarah is at Helmeroids. Uh, our guest today, uh, Prashanth, is at Ayer Prashanth. Uh, so it's I Y E R underscore P R A S H A N T H. Um, and you can follow the uh, you can follow the podcast at two hundred foot pod two zero zero F T P O D. On Facebook, it is facebook.com slash for sure pod, F E R S U R E P O D. And if you would like to get some for sure merchandise, you can go to tinyurl.com slash for shirt, which is F E R S H I R T, and you can get all sorts of cool stuff there. Um, so we will be back at you in two weeks with another episode. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.